Grace and peace to you in the name of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I am so glad to be here leading worship with you today, worshiping our triune God today on Trinity Sunday. I'm Chip Hardwick. I'm the transitional executive at the Synod of the Covenant. You've got your church, which is part of Detroit Presbytery, and then the next level up geographically is called the Synod of the Covenant. It's the 700 Presbyterian churches throughout Ohio and Michigan, about 100,000 Presbyterians. And so on their behalf, I welcome you, um, bring you greetings from the Synod of the Covenant. I'm especially glad to be here today, not just because the music is so spectacular, as I discovered, but actually this is a church that I've known about for a long time. Matt Nichols was my pastor, one of my pastors in Louisville, and I remember especially a Monday Thursday sermon that he preached that was so meaningful to me. And so I remember when he came here to be your pastor. And then after I moved from Louisville, I moved to Lake Forest, where I served the First Presbyterian Church of Lake Forest, which should sound familiar to you because it's where Peter Smith and Linda Smith were worshiping. So I got to share weddings and funerals with Peter there for the um, couple of years that I was and then I look out and I see Bob and Diane Agnew, who I'm grateful to see, and I have gotten to know Gil Baker, I think his last name is, over the last couple of weeks as well. So I feel very at home here, even though I have to tell you, I have never been in a pulpit which had not one, but two clocks in it. <laughs> one of them appears to be an alarm clock, and so um, I'm not sure exactly how welcome I should feel. It reminds me of that old joke, you know, you know what it means when you give a watch to a pastor? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, I, again, I'm very glad to be here with you this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me to share worship with you. So think back to 1994. Forrest Gump is the biggest movie and ER and Seinfeld are the biggest shows on TV and the Pew Research Council decides to do its first study of political polarization in America. And what they discover is that the average Republican and the average Democrat are not very far away from each other. And that both of them, if you take a distribution of all the Democrats and Republicans that they surveyed, find a bell curve over each one, and there's lots of overlap. So there are lots of Republicans who are more progressive than conservative Democrats. There are lots of, of um, Democrats who are more um, conservative than Republicans. They do the same poll about 10 years later in 2004, and they see that things have not really changed. And then in 2011, they do the same and they discover that the averages are starting to move out. And then they do the same poll in 2017, and they find that the averages are so far out that they are four times further away from each other than they were in 2004 and in 1994. Four times. And they discover that among those who are politically engaged, for one party, I'm not going to tell you which party, but for one party, it's not even any longer a bell curve. It just goes up to the top. The most extreme position is the one that most people have in that party. The other party is not much better either. Now, I don't 
share this with you to give you post-traumatic stress disorder for the last time you interacted with someone on social media about your political differences. I bring it up because it is part of um, part of the challenge that we face in our country of having distinction from each other with our views, but unity together. You know, they haven't done the they haven't done this poll recently, uh, probably because it would be too depressing. But they did do a poll in 2020 where they polled citizens in 14 countries in Europe and Canada and the United States. And you guessed it, the United States was by far the most polarized of all the countries. That's why today it's so important that we look at the Trinity, which may not be the most obvious topic for you when we're talking about political polarization, but the Trinity, God our Creator and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, has a lot to say to us about how we relate to each other. Now before we get into polarization, I just want to bring up three things about the Trinity. The first is that we are never going to fully understand the Trinity. That's why I chose this passage from Isaiah where it reminds us that God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We're certainly, you are certainly not going to understand it after my sermon this morning. But it makes me think, you know, for people who have a romantic partner or for your kids, you know, you will never fully, or your parents, you will never fully understand them. But that doesn't mean that it's not helpful to try to understand them better. The second thing to think about with the Trinity before we dig into how it can help with polarization is that I found a, a definition that I think is helpful from a theologian named Shirley Guthrie. He describes the, the Trinity in this way. He says, one God in three persons means one personal God who lives and works in three different ways at the same time. Let's say that again. One God in three persons means one personal God who lives and works in three different ways at the same time. And then the third thing, if you feel like you have never, you have just haven't found the right scripture to help you understand this, the Trinity, that's because the word Trinity never appears in the Bible. You can't just turn to a page in the scriptures to learn all about the Trinity and have it explained to us clearly. But the theologians throughout the millennia have drawn on various scriptures from the Bible to understand and develop the idea of how God reveals itself to us as three in one and one and three. So you haven't just missed it if you can't point to a specific passage. Of the passages that there are in the scriptures, I like the one that um, that Paul read today from the Ephesians chapter 4. I like this one best because it is the easiest one, I think, that mentions all three persons of the Trinity. It helps us understand how they have both unity among them and distinctiveness between them. First, the unity. I don't know if you remember, if you uh, realize when you were reading this, but the word one comes up seven different times. And this short passage, there's only 106 verses, and one 
is in there seven times. One every 15 words is the word one. Unity, unity, unity between God, our Creator, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Unity, unity, unity. But this message also points out that there's distinctiveness between what God, our Creator, and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit do. In our passage, we hear about Jesus giving us um, let me find it to make sure. The Spirit, I, I was getting these mixed up when I was practicing. So Jesus gives us grace, and the Holy Spirit gives us unity in this passage. In this one Lord, we have grace and unity from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And those are just tastes of what each person of the Trinity does for us. You know, we know that God the Creator created the whole world, placed us in it, gave us the divine image, stamped us with the divine image that creation and with each one of us. Jesus, of course, redeems us and forgives us. The Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus and unifies us and strengthens us. There are all sorts of ways that God, our Creator, and Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, they relate to us. But to help us think about polarization, I want us to think not how they relate to us, but how each one of them relates to each other. How God, our Creator, and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit relate to each other, not down to us. And for, to understand that, I'm going to use a word that is probably new to you, perichoresis. Perichoresis is probably not a word that comes up regularly to you. It's a Greek word. It, well, let me spell it first. P-E-R-I-C-H-O-R-E-S-I-S. Perichoresis. And it comes from two Greek words, para, like in periscope or perimeter, that means around. And then choresis, like in choreography, means to dance. So together, it means to dance around, but it sounds so much fancier, right, to say perichoresis. But it just means to dance around, right? And back, way back in the 7th century, St. John of Damascus decided that that was the best way to explain how God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit relate to each other by dancing around in unity with distinctiveness. And so when I was in seminary, we actually made up a dance, the paraphoretic dance. I will not, there will not be a test on this, and I will not ask you to do this. But this, imagine if I had three arms, how much even better this would be. So this was the paraphoretic dance, and if you see me doing it out in the parking lot afterwards, you'll know that I am not simply glad that I can get on to Memorial Day weekend, but rather that I'm still thinking about the Trinity. Now, it's helpful to think about this dancing around between God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, because it reminds us some things about their relationship. It reminds us that their relationship is one of joy, interacting with each other, and not power. It reminds us that there is equality among them and not subjugation. And it reminds us that they are drawn together. They have a desire to be together and not to go apart. So we might say 
that they relate to each other is what Richard Rohr, the illusion of Richard Rohr, calls this divine dance. He says that they are joined together in both unity and distinction. Unity because they're all doing the same dance together. And then distinction because each one of them is a different partner. So maybe you could put it together and say that they have unity and distinction dancing together in joy and equality. So dancing together in unity and joy and equality, does that sound like your most recent interaction on social media about politics? Maybe that's more like disunity and destruction stomping around together with power plays and put downs. That's why it's so important to think about how the Trinity relates to each other and how we relate to others, how we can maintain our unity in the midst of our distinctive points of view. Polarization has been on the mind of Arthur Brooks. He's the former president of the American Enterprise Institute, and he has gone to one of the Ivy League schools, and he writes an article on happiness once a month for the Atlantic. You might have seen that. And but he was studying, he was studying a couple of years ago, studying polarization. And what he discovered was that polarization, and I think we see this in our society, that he was writing in 2017 about this. And he said that he saw this trend in society where especially on social media, there was an attempt to defame people who disagreed with us and to silence people who disagreed with us and to ignore people who disagreed with us. This is the way he puts it. He says, when you demean others, you don't solve problems. You perpetuate problems. And you simply build up power structures. All politics becomes my tribe, your tribe. I'm going to get power. I'm going to deny you power. And it's no wonder that his book about this is called The Culture of Contempt. But in the Trinity, there's no contempt. There's only gay sitting around in unity and distinctiveness with joy and equality. And remember, we are made in God's image. The image of the triune God. The image of the triune God who dances together in distinctiveness and unity. There's a paleoanthropologist at Duke University named Michael Tomasello. And he studies what the difference is between other kinds of animals and humans. You might say that would be what Christians would think of as God's image in us. And what he has found is that it's not what separates us from our closest relatives, other primates, like monkeys and chimpanzees and orangutans and gorillas. He says it's usually understood to be our intellect. But he says it's more than our intellect. It's our intellect, sure. But it's also our ability to collaborate together. He points out ants collaborate together, but they don't have the intellect. 
even some primates, they, they have an intellect similar to ours, but they don't collaborate together in the same way. Theologians Gordon Murkowski and Katie Douglas say that's why you see humans doing synchronized swimming and getting to the moon that you don't see with other primates. Now, Tomasello is not a Christian writer. He doesn't call that God's image in us. But I do. It's this image of the triune God stamped on each one of us. We're made in the image of the divine dancer. And we are made to have unity with each other, even in the midst of our distinct views. So my prayer for you is that the next time you are watching TV and you are forced to listen to somebody with whom you disagree fully, pray that God, our Creator, would stamp that divine image onto you ever more strongly. And when you find somebody on social media saying something that drives you crazy and you just want to respond with something that is ruthless and cutting, just pray that Jesus Christ, who reconciles us with God and who gives us the ministry of reconciliation with each other, that, that Jesus would warm your heart towards the other person. And when somebody close to you, maybe in your family, your extended family, maybe here at church, maybe in your workplace, when they say something that you simply cannot abide, pray that the Holy Spirit will expand your love for them. Now, I know this is a big prayer, but... We serve this triune God, this divine dancer, who is dancing together and also loving and strengthening us. So let your dance begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.